0: Don't tell anyone I'm free Don't tell anyone I'm free Hello and welcome to BSD Talk number 62 It's Monday, August 21, 2006 I just have an interview for you today, so we'll go right to it. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Klake Wieckstrom, and you are the developer of the Yaws Yet Another Web Server. That's correct. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. So, Yet Another Web Server, Uh, I I guess from that we know basically what it is but could you describe a little more about what yaws is and what it does
1: so it's a it's a web server but it's more than that it's a, it's sort of like the combination of mySQL PHP and Apache in one package a tightly integrated package so the web server part of it it's just a regular web server but it has a twist it Tailor made, it's meant from the beginning to ship uh, dynamic content. So it's made to ship dynamic content, and uh, the uh, database part of it is, uh, is, is also a tightly integrated database, which is part of this Erlang programming language, where the database is called Nisia. So this trio, Nisia and yours, and uh, then Erlang as, uh, instead of PHP, is our alternative to the classic setup with Apache, uh, PHP and MySQL. The reason for yet another web server was a couple years ago, I had never worked with web development at all and uh, signed up to, to build a website for some friends of mine and I started out with PHP and I immediately realized that I disliked it very much. And uh, instead of building the website for my friends, I I started out with a YAWS project. And uh, that was not so long ago, I think maybe four years ago I started out. And uh, then it's just been uh, growing and growing and growing.
0: So what features does YAWS support? Like uh, virtual hosts and SSL and all that? Absolutely,
1: basically whatever you can think of, everything. But the the main kicker is uh, the ability to generate dynamic content fast, extremely fast. So today's web world, no no sites are static. All sites are dynamic, and all sites are Ajax as well. It, it, whenever you, if if you build a new site today, it's definitely going to be dynamic content, Ajax site. And then you need tools to do that, and you need especially if you build high-profile sites like commercial sites or banking sites and that sort of stuff that we've been been using yours for, then the uh, performance uh, requirements are are usually really, really very high. And having extreme speed on the dynamic content generation pushes the limit where you need to go buy an expensive load balancer and and actually build uh, a a multi-host site. It just pushes the limit. So, uh, but you can buy faster computers, but eventually you're going to reach a limit where you have to buy a real load balancer and, and maybe a three tier architecture or something like that. That, that the sort of stuff that the bank guys do. Another feature of it, which I find unique it, it's made to be embedded into other applications. so if you if you just download the turbo and, and compile it, it'll build into a regular web server with an accessor in its script which you start as any other daemon, but but you can start it in another way where it's embedded into another Erlang application. and a lot of Erlang developers they, they build applications that, that are not necessarily web server but they do require to have an embedded web server inside their application example would be some sort of telecommunications equipment or, or, or a router or something like that. You obviously need a web server inside the router in order to terminate the web GUI. And so it's, it's tailor-made to do that as well. Another outstanding feature, of course, is that it's, it's Erlang. It's, it's tightly bound to this programming language, Erlang, which is a uh, If you have never programmed in in functional languages before, it's a fairly steep learning curve. It's uh, a lot harder for people without a proper computer science degree to to get started with yours than it would be to get started with PHP, for example. And so that's an upside because it's a real programming language which can be used to build the entire application in it, and the downside is that it's... uh, The learning curve and the uh, threshold to get started is uh, higher.
0: So would a lot of the performance benefits of YAWS come from your programming or from the Erlang language?
1: It's not from my programming. It's from from the Erlang language, uh, definitely. Whenever a client connects, uh, each socket will be uh, represented internally with an Erlang process. Erlang is a functional programming language, which has uh, superb support for uh, uh, pseudo-concurrency. So, it's, it's a virtual machine, similar, similar to a, a Lisp machine, or a Lisp environment, or a, a Java runtime environment, or something like that. So it's a virtual machine, and inside that machine, uh, the Erlang code is executed, and, and processes run uh, pseudo-concurrently inside the, um, inside the virtual machine and it's perfectly feasible to have hundreds of thousands of these processes and initially they're really slow, small and they uh, initially they occupy something like 64 bytes or something like that and then they grow dynamically and shrink dynamically as they execute and, and they shrink from the garbage collector and so that makes it really easy to implement applications that, that concurrently terminate a huge number of, of sockets because each socket is just uh, one process and there are no state machines involved where there is a main event loop which dispatches things that, that events that arrive on, a, on different sockets. So each socket is just uh, owned by each process. And that makes it easier to program complex applications uh, like this. So the speed comes from Erlang's process management and the ability to have the Erlang code so tightly integrated into the web pages. And there are no external processes that get uh, forked or or anything like that. So I have no figures on on comparing, for example, to PHP or to to other. There are so many other technologies there. But I I have a hard time to think that it can be made faster.
0: And when I looked at some of the examples on the YAWS website, it looks as though it's similar from the end-user perspective or the programming perspective to programming languages like PHP, where you have HTML code, and then you embed some Erlang tags in there, and then you switch back out to to HTML.
1: Yes. And so that's the same thing. It's the same basic idiom whereby uh, uh, a page uh, consists of HTML code and then some code that uh, dynamically generates uh, code. So whenever the first time one of these pages gets uh, fetched from, from a client, the your the server will just in time compile that page. And so the next time it gets a client requests the same page, uh, all code will be compiled to object code and loaded into memory, and the static parts will just be with the uh, static buffers that gets uh, injected into the stream of dynamic output from the compiled code and um, that makes it that makes the, the first fetch slow, but uh, the subsequent fetch is uh, very speedy
0: now do you have any examples of um, a high number of concurrent connections to a Yaws server.
1: So the, the number of connections is is definitely not limited by Yaws. It's it's limited by this operating system, and different different unities have different limits here. And and a lot of the time, when when you build sites that that require like tens or thousands of sockets, you you have to either tweak kernel code or or tweak some some variables in CISC CTL or something like that in order to, depending on different operating systems. I mean, so it, it's, not, it's not more than 10 years ago that uh, BSDI, for example, came with 64 sockets for Unix process, not tweakable. So, so it's, it's, it's limited by the operating system.
0: So to use YAWS, it's really a matter of learning the Erlang programming.
1: Language. Yes, yes, learning Erlang, that's, that's number one. And um, as I said, the learning curve is, well, steep. If you have a computer science degree or if you have programmed in LISP or something like that, it'll probably come really easy to you. The actual language is very, very small. So it contains very few uh, and very simple constructs that are uh, familiar constructs for, to, for example, LISP programmers. All the sequential parts of the language is, is a bit like the, the semantics of the sequential parts of the language is, is very, very similar to, to the sports scheme. The concurrent part of the language and the distribution parts of the language, it's, it that's a bit odd for programmers. The, because the ability to have so many processes and that they are so easy to create, and also that it really doesn't matter on which computer they execute, the, you write the code regardless of whether it, A process executes locally or remotely, so marshalling over a network appears uh, transparently. So the ability to have these really easy to use and really, really lightweight processes actually makes you program completely differently. So things that otherwise would have been regular data structures and dispatchers and event loops and things like that. They aren't that, and you don't program like that any longer. You, you, you create processes for everything that is a, a concurrent activity in real life, you create a process. A perfect example of that is, is a socket, which is an, a concurrent activity.
0: So, how long have you been programming in the Erlang language?
1: I've programmed it for ages, actually. I was one of the four original authors of the language uh, quite some time ago when. So, in the uh, 90s ericsson had a ericsson that telecom swedish telecom manufacturer had a, a research laboratory and the task was to figure out how to program telecommunications applications in general uh, ericsson has a history here where ericsson had cells uh, or used to sell a pretty ancient by now old uh, fixed-line switches, and these switches, they were programmed in a, in a proprietary programming language called Plex. And so they did have a history of, of using a proprietary language to, to program their the telco switches. And so the task of this lab was to figure out how to do this uh, more modern and uh, efficiently. And Erlang came out of that experience, uh, lots and lots and lots of different detours, Towards different languages, and uh, it grew out of this laboratory. And as I said, I was one of the original users, and I wrote large parts of the language, the I/O system, and the garbage collector, and uh, the distribution parts, and things like that. And uh, then, had many? Maybe ten years ago. Yeah, could have been ten years ago. And I decided to to release uh, Erlang open source. This was precisely after uh, uh, Netscape released their browser open source and the, the fact that they did that, that the, a large company had the balls to do such a bold move was uh, sort of the last argument we as techies needed in order to convince upper and middle management uh, for that matter as well that, that releasing Erlang open source is a good idea and if we don't do that it'll end up uh, proprietary technology known only to Rexon. and so they did that ten years ago and since then it's been growing but in, in my perspective ridiculously slow there are so many technologies out there to build for example websites or to build large complex concurrent applications but and in, in my book they, this one uh, Erlang beats them all and still does
0: so the Yaws web server runs on top of Erlang, right? Yes. And yes. will basically run on any platform that Erlang is written for. Yes. It's all the Unix variants, right? and Windows. Yeah. How about Macintosh?
1: Runs fine on Macs. Not old ones, though, Mac OS 9. But it used to run on Mac OS 9 many years ago, but not any longer. It runs on a couple of weird operating systems as well, such as... Uh, there's a small embedded operating system called OSC and runs on VXWorks and PSOS and a couple of other proprietary operating systems actually as well. To port airline is fairly straightforward. What's needed is uh, some way to have a poll loop or something similar, select a poll or something similar anyway, and malloc uh, and a clock. Pretty much that.
0: And what license did you release Yaws on?
1: So we wanted to release yours on exact, on, on yours is released on BSD, on a BSD version. Erlangden uh, is released on a license which is, I think it's called Ericsson public license. And it's modeled after the uh, Mozilla public license. So it's pretty much exactly the same, except that wherever it says Netscape, it says Ericsson and so forth. Yours is uh, released on a BSD license. Originally I had, um, a BSD-ish license, which uh, in spirit was exactly the BSD license. But then, about a year ago, some developers in some US companies that, that were using yours to build uh, applications asked me if I couldn't relicense it uh, to a, a proper BSD because their management was a bit concerned about uh, the ad hoc license of mine. So. Uh, I licensed it maybe a year ago, and the reason for using a BSD license is that due to this embedded mode that I spoke about earlier, whereby it's easy and straightforward to embed it into another larger long application, if I'd chosen uh, a GPL, it would have contaminated the other larger applications, and they couldn't have used your. It wouldn't have been as useful in commercial products as it is, and I, I really want it to be used as much as possible.
0: And when you develop yours, what operating system are you developing on most of the time?
1: FreeBSD and Linux, and uh, now lately, uh, Mac OS X.
0: Well, are there any other things you want to talk about today?
1: That pretty much covers it, and... Um... Unless you have any more questions, I, uh, I, uh, I wish you all uh, future Erlang and yours uh, developers best of luck.
0: All right. And where can people get yours?
1: It's on SourceForge. And then it's, it's on a private web server of mine called yours.hyber.org. You can Google for yours as well. But it's on SourceForge, uh, the regular SourceForge project. And I'm not really happy about SourceForge, but it's still there, though.
0: Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. Or if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com.